person next to you or nearest to you and just have a discussion for one minute about something that you're thankful for this week. Just for one minute. I don't know about you, but I sense God is really here among us this morning. You know, prayers that we had before the service, you know, Sean, a prayer that God, Holy Spirit, would go like a fire through this place this morning. I sense that God is here. He's going to do something wonderful among us this morning. I really, really do. I want to thank everybody that plays a, a part behind the scenes, the musicians, the welcome team, the folks at the back that do the sound, the live streaming. We have so many people that just make Sunday morning happen that don't get the recognition they always deserve. So before we go on, I just wanted to say a thank you to them, and particularly the sound and the, uh, the team they're going to help with. Uh, hopefully we've got some PowerPoint slides that are going to come along this morning to, to bring a little bit of what God's provision looks like. So here we are, provision. In a, in a practical sense, food is right in front of us. And so what does God's provision look like it, talking and listening to those conversations there it means something different to every one of us depending on our circumstances so if we can flick forward one I think that what's God's provision looks like that I think it depends on perspective and I think it depends on circumstances coming together and we're going to explore that a little bit so if we can go to the next one please so today we're saying thank you for food I don't like you about you but I like food I don't like to be hungry. And so when God calls us to pray and fast, I have a bit of a problem with that. Sorry, my tummy has a bit of a problem with that. So picture on the top there, that is the adult ration in World War II for one individual for one week. That's not a meal, Sandra. That's a week. And that went on for six years. Wow. I couldn't believe it when I looked at that. I just wondered how we would manage, and it reminded me, I said this to the nine o'clock, and there were quite a few laughs, of the Dad's Army episode where somebody was smuggling oranges and chocolate. You know, how, how would that last any of us a week? And yet it did. It kept the nation going. That picture at the bottom was in COVID when uh, we went to a well-known supermarket and found the shelves were stripped bare. And it became that self-fulfilling, because everybody else is panicking, everybody else panics. 
And I don't know whether remember seeing the, uh, the video of that nurse that was on the news that came out from working a shift. There was no food, and she was in tears. We just take so much stuff for granted, don't we? We just do. And to see all of these gifts here this morning is wonderful. So we're here this morning to say, yes, thank you to God for giving us food that we can give to the Ragworth Trust, and we're going to change lives. But this morning, we want to look at God providing in three sets of different circumstances in the Bible, and we're going to touch on that. These are some of the ways that I think that God provides for us. I think in relationships and family and friendships, definitely in career and work, I can, I can testify to that myself. I think with finances, in our home lives, our health, we don't always have the health that we want, but God provides there. Sometimes just forcing us to stop. We're not good at stopping. I'm not good at stopping. God provides by sometimes putting little times when we have to stop. We talked about this in Life Group the other day. Open and close doors when we are desperately pushing against a door and it just stays locked and it's not going to budge. That's God. And then another door opens that we weren't expecting. God's presence and his protection. Those divine appointments that we talked about this morning. You know, I love that Rachel shared that she prayed for somebody and didn't want prayer. It's still a divine appointment. And we keep on investing in those. And the person in it with you, in other words, the person that you trust the most that gets alongside you, that can be your prayer mentor, it can be in a life group, just the person that knows you and is going through life with you in particular circumstances. And yet sometimes, if you've got the next slide, it like, feels like that being a Christian. It makes no sense. There have been points in my life when I prayed for guidance and provision, and that's what it's felt like to me. I don't know which way to go. Am, am I the only person that, that ever felt a bit of... Just, it's confusing sometimes. It's not as clear as we would like it, uh, certainly to be. And so I was in the kitchen. We were doing the recycling, um, as you do, and I came across this. It's a, it's, a, it's a yogurt pot lid. Now, other brands are available. I just want to make that very, very clear. And I looked at it. I was about to chuck it in the bin, and then I thought, oh, hang on a minute. There's something in that. Now, I'm sure you, I don't know whether you can see on the front row, that is curved. Yeah, those of you who agree it's curved. But in a different plane, it's flat. If you take it like that and you fold it, it becomes flat. How that happens, I don't know. I can't explain it. I'm sure that anybody with a degree in mathematics could explain that to me. Andrew Killick tried to explain it to me at 9 o'clock. Um, but yeah, curved. And flat, and our lives are like that. We see the problems, we see the lack of direction, it makes no sense. And yet, God sits outside of time, He sits in eternity, and He says, You know what? From my perspective, I see a firm foundation for your life, I know what I'm doing. So, if we can go to the next slide, please. This is one of my favorite movies. This is a retelling, Sandra's nodding ahead. This is a retelling of Noah the Ark for anybody that doesn't know, and if you haven't seen it, I heartily recommend it. Biblically correct, that might be stretching it, but it's great entertainment. Okay? And the basic story is Steve Carell up there, who also plays Mr. Gru, for those of you who've got kids. He's a senator uh, in the US government, and one day Morgan Freeman plays the part of God, comes along and tells him to build an ark. And as you can imagine, it makes no sense. It's a great, great family movie. You can see him on the bottom there with a, a couple of the monkeys sort of having milkshakes. So if we can flick, I'm hoping the video is going to work. If we can make this work, this will be great. So here we go. Oh, excuse me. Can I get a refill, please? Coming right up. Thank you. 
excuse me. Are you all right? Yeah. No. It's a long story. Well, I like stories. I'm considered a bit of a storyteller myself. My husband? Have you heard of New York's Noah? <laughs> the guy who's building the ark. That's him. I love that story. Noah and the ark. You know, a lot of people miss the point of that story. They think it's about God's wrath and anger. They love it when God gets angry. What is the story about then, the ark? Well, I think it's a love story about believing in each other. You know, the animals showed up in pairs. You know, they stood by each other, side by side, just like Noah and his family. Everybody entered the ark side by side. But my husband says God told him to do it. What do you do with that? Sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does it give them opportunities to love each other? <laughs> well, I gotta run. A lot of people to serve. Enjoy. That's quite powerful, isn't it? Hollywood, okay, not biblically correct in every sense, but... There was something about that passage that connected with me in terms of God providing. The things that we ask for, God provides, but he doesn't always provide in the way that we're hoping or expecting that he would. So we're going to look at three really quick examples. We're going to look at God providing in the face of overwhelming uncertainty. We're going to look at God providing in the face of <laughs> overwhelming emotions. And then God providing in the face of fear. So the first example, the first time the word provision is mentioned in the Bible is actually in Genesis chapter 22. And it's a pretty graphic story. This is God and Abraham, who is the, uh, the founder of the, the Jewish uh, family, the, the people, had a son, Isaac. They waited forever for Isaac to come along. And in chapter 22, God speaks to uh, Abraham and says, I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice your son. That's a horrendous thing. And as a parent, you know, the one thing that we are is in our DNA is to protect our children at all cost, even over the expense of our own lives. We would lay our own lives down for our children. And yet here in chapter 22, God is saying to Abraham, go sacrifice your son. And I can't imagine for a moment what that felt like to Abraham. His emotions must have been all over the place. And yet, in verse 8, almost speaking prophetically, like thousands of years ahead, it says God will provide for himself the lamb. He was talking of Jesus, but in the, in the story as he was obedient, uh, that a lamb was actually provided, a ram was actually provided, and everything worked out okay. But sometimes God providing in the difficult circumstances when our emotions are all over the place, how on earth is God going to provide? And yet he does. The second is at the end of uh, chapter 50. Uh, the, the story here is that uh, in this set of circumstances, um, Joseph, we've all seen Joseph the Musical. I don't know if you've seen Joseph the Musical, but we have Joseph the Musical and his brothers. Their father, Jacob, had just died. 
And his brothers were scared because basically, was he, now that the father was out of the picture, going to treat them with love and respect and dignity or was he going to be harsh? They didn't really have a say in the matter. And in verse 21, it says, don't be frightened. I'm going to provide for you and your little ones. And that's what he does. You see, the provision there came through a changed heart. Even though they'd sold him into slavery, actually, his heart had changed by the time that he met them again. And the third example of God providing is in the face of fear. And we've all know fear. Fear for the future. Fear for, you know, what are we going to do over the winter with paying bills? But in this one, this was a very, very primal sense of fear. So the story here in Second Book of Kings is that Elisha was a prophet of God and he was basically telling what the military strategy was going to be from the king of Syria to the king of Israel. Now the king of Syria found out about this and he sent an army uh, to go surround the city of Dothan where Elisha and his servant were. So they went to bed, they slept, everything was fine. They wake up the next morning, the city is under siege. And Elisha prays for his servant and he says, open his eyes, open his eyes. And that's what he does. Sometimes we're not sure what is going on. You know, it's that yogurt pot lid, isn't it? What we see is round. It makes no sense to us. We see our lives are surrounded by problems. We see no way through. And God says, you know what? I've already got this. Matthew tells us, I think it's chapter 6, chapter 7. I already know the things that you ask and you need before you even ask me. And so that is, takes us back into the, the last couple of weeks where we've been talking about the dry bones that Ezekiel talked about. Our life group is very practical. I hope those that are here from our life group would agree that we're fairly practical. And one of the things that we love doing is celebrating every small success, every small answer to prayer. And we try and do that as often as we can. Um, if there is um, uh, the next slide, I don't know whether we can go to that. If the slides have died, that's fine. We can just push on. That's okay. Okay, we'll push on. Okay. But there's a, a picture, a beautiful picture in Isaiah of a field. And in that field, there is a harvest. And in that harvest, the grains of corn are being bent over and broken. Some of them are, are completely ruined. But there are some that are just hanging on in there. And then the picture changes to a candle, like an ember, that is just about to be extinguished. And the Bible says, you know, the dying ember and the bruised reed. God doesn't despise them. And so one of the things we've prayed about and we keep praying into our life group is that until God says there's no hope, there's hope. We keep on praying. Regardless of whether or not we see the thing that we're praying about changed immediately, we keep on praying. And some of those prayers, I think some of the group will agree, Friday night was a bit intense. You know, we've had moments where we've just laughed and laughed and laughed as a life group. Friday was hard work. But it was hard work because we were connecting in, I think, in a much deeper sense than we'd gone before. And God was there with us. The dying ember and the bruised reed. There is always hope. And what about us as a church? Uh, we are very privileged this morning. The Warren family are all here this morning and we bless and we thank God for that. They've got a unique perspective amongst all of us having a farm. And, and I talked about this at nine o'clock, that every good farmer, every good church leader will have at the back of the mind two questions. What season are we in and what season are we preparing for? Because the thing with nature is we're into autumn now, we're about to head into winter. There's no point preparing for spring now. We have to go through each season in turn. That is just the way that God has set the natural laws of the world. What season are we in? What season are we preparing for as a church? 
And I thought about this, and it reminded me of when we were all together in Hollybush. There were some small tents. I think Ruby's not here, but that Ruby had probably the smallest tent I've ever seen. It was tiny. And when I spoke to Ruby the next morning, I said, did you sleep? And the look on her face just told everything. She didn't sleep. She was cold. She had hot water bottles that people gave her. She was still cold. Then there were some slightly larger tents. You know, there were, there, were, there were those, let's face it, who'd been camping before, and they had a slightly bigger tent. Theirs was quite posh, and they had the awnings and the dual stoves, okay? But then, none of us had one of those big marquees, did we? I mean, I would love to have met in the marquee. But Isaiah says this, and, and I think for us as a church, I'd like us to pray to this, but this is where I think we are in terms of what season are we in, what season are we heading to? It says this in Isaiah. Isaiah. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. You are going to expand to the right and to the left. We're facing times that we've never seen before. I, I looked at some statistics before I came in. Last winter, not this winter, last winter, 600,000 people were using food banks every week in the Trussell Trust. I'm guessing now that figure is probably closer to a million. It must be with the hardship that we're seeing at the moment. I know we, say, we hear the phrase unprecedented times and we laugh at it, but really, I was talking to one of the senior leaders in the company the other day and she said, I can't begin to believe that we're having these conversations about making sure our employees' children have food. We just would not expect in the, one of the seven richest countries in the world to be having those conversations. And so I think the opportunity there for us as a church is we are going to grow. And we're going to grow by being, you know, getting dirty hands and feet and getting alongside those partners in our community that, you know, are equipped to touch people's lives and provide for them. So, you know, it's something to pray into, but I, that's my sense from God that, you know, we're going to grow and we need to get ready for that. And growth sometimes is a dirty, messy business. You know, going in the garden, you're always going to get dirt under the fingernails, but with that comes life. And so I just encourage us. As a church, where does God's provision come? Whether we're meeting in prayer triplets or with our mentors in life groups or we're like this, begin to pray into growth. And what can we do to take those little risks? Don't do it for the chocolate, although the chocolate is always nice. Do it because we're going to touch lives. And then the last slide, I think, is, uh, if we can look at that one, that's my prayer for this morning is, Lord, open my eyes. You know, God does not always provide in the way that we're expecting. And he doesn't do it in the time that we're expecting. And we certainly, that as a life group, we've experienced that. And we've prayed sometimes for several months. And sometimes as we were praying, the phone would go. And then literally we would have an answer instantly. So open my eyes. Lord, what are you doing like Elijah's servant said? And I want to pray this morning that whether it's uncertainty, you know, whether it's overwhelming emotion or whether it's fear or doubts about the future, God has got it. He loves every one of us so much. And so we'll have the opportunity, I'm sure, with Sandra with the prayer team to be available for prayer. But I, I just don't want us to go out this morning carrying those burdens that we brought in with us when we know that God loves us so much and he wants to provide. His provision may not be the way you expect, and it may not look and feel the way that you thought it was going to be, but we're assured in the Bible that he loves us so much and he wants to provide for us.